everyone to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, and I am also now I'm I'm, I'm being called the goat. And I the thought goat. maybe that was because they they think I just eat up everything, but <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people are saying I'm the goat. I, I guess because then you know I was told greatest of all time, and I'm sitting there going, oh okay, yeah, I don't know if I feel that way. Yeah, but, it's like a millennial acronym or something. Yeah, but I mean, like I think of the goat, I think of like Tom Brady. The greatest quarterback. I don't really feel like I'm the greatest of anything. Uh, still got a long ways to go to catch up to a lot of people to be called the goat. Uh, but I do appreciate that. A lot of people saying that, but uh, I don't. I don't know if I feel that way or not. Um, you know, some days I wake up and I feel like I'm the greatest of all time for just getting out of bed with all the pain I have in my body. <laughs> um, and then other days I feel like just sludge. <laughs> but anyways, that being said, we have a show for you tonight, but before we get into that, remember we have a Facebook group, go join, it's free to join, Paranormal Roundtable Facebook group, uh, and then Nelly's group, Paranormal Lounge, and then we have Barton Nunley's and Humanoids, uh, and we have a lot of friends that we are associated with. Barton's show, I'm going to give him a plug, it comes out on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock, Bettina Moss has been on a hiatus because she's been not feeling well. She's been ill. She came down to visit, got everybody sick, and then left. Yep. Thanks, Bettina. Thanks, Bettina. Except for Maddie. Maddie didn't get sick for whatever reason. I don't know what's going on. Um, But yeah, she. so her show is Crypto Normal Encounters with B. Moss, and then we're friends with Blondes and Booze, and then Texas Front Porch uh, with the Big Tex. He's a good guy. And then BMR, Bigfoot Michigan Rob. Yeah. Thanks for the books, Rob. I just got your books. Thank you for for those books. Rob wrote some books. Go check him out. Um, the first thing we got to talk about, though, is the Patreon. You want to go ahead and explain that? Yeah, our Patreon is patreon.com slash PRT podcast. And if you need a link to it, it'll be down in the description box of the YouTube upload. Uh, we've got five tiers anywhere from $10, $10 a month to $50 a month. Uh, well, whatever tier you sign up for... After two months, you can just send us a message on Patreon with your mailing address and your shirt size, and we'll send you a swag bag full of goodies. We'll send you a shirt. We'll send you some autographed uh, books. We'll send you some uh, stickers, a keychain. We just pack it full of really cool stuff, and regardless of what tier you sign up for, you're going to get more than your money's worth, and that's just a, it's just a great way to... to uh, to support what we're doing here, and and we we want to give you all something back for that. So that's what that is. Yeah, you have to be on the the the, the tier, whatever tier you're on, for two months. Yeah, I said that. Um, but but the fi- the fifty dollar tier actually, you get an autograph book from one of m- many different authors. Could be Barton Nunley, Lyle Blackburn, or you know whoever Chad Lewis. But you also get both of my my books autographed: yeah. the Bigfoot and, and Phenomena and Werewolves and the Dogman. Uh, Phenomena. But also on the $40 tier, you'll get one of my books and then a book from some, from a different author. And of course, you'll get like a t-shirt or a hoodie, depending on what we have in stock. So that being said, what else do we need to talk about? Oh, friend requests. We are now accepting friend requests again. Uh, so send me your friend requests. I have about 300 to go through. <laughs> so uh, also Instagram, Josh Turner 940. That's my handle. Uh, go become friends with me on Instagram. And Tony, what is yours? Mine is PRT Mushu. You can find me on there on, uh, on Instagram and Facebook. And Anthony? And mine is Mexican Jumping Meme. Mexican Jumping Meme. So if you want to be friends on Instagram, check us out on Instagram. That being said, let's get started here. Um, 
Now, if, if you don't listen to the live stream on YouTube, you're missing out. Every Friday we do a live stream and we have a guest. Every Sunday we do a live stream. We don't typically have a guest. Every now and then we'll let somebody call in or whatever. Uh, but typically, no, we just retell people's stories on Sunday and it's live on YouTube. And there's a lot of tie-ins to this podcast episode. So if you're just listening to us on Spotify or uh, Google or what is it, iTunes, whatever, yeah, you're you're missing out because you're, there's a lot of stuff that ties into these podcast episodes that are on those live streams. One of the stories that I'd like to talk about tonight, we we talked about a little bit on the live stream with Brandon Tolbert, who came on last Friday, and basically just. In a nutshell, he told his encounters and then a couple other encounters that he heard had had from people he knew. Uh, and one was of a, of a girl who was attacked by a dogman. And that was really, really uh, a, cr a crazy story. Now, I'm, I'll start with this one. I'll mention, I mentioned on the show that my mother, my, my late mother, she had a friend uh, who used to... to sit with her and, and, and she lived in her apartment complex when she first moved uh, to Tomball. And of course, this was in East Texas. Now, we've talked about East Texas before. We've talked about Tomball. We've talked about Katy, the area around Houston. And we're going to get into some different locations tonight. You know, we've talked about Beaumont, that whole East Texas corridor, uh, the big thicket, you know, the Sam Houston National Forest. So, a lot of people are familiar that that's a very, very uh, active hotspot. Brandon Tolbert talked about Sabine. Uh, uh, the, and, you know, it's called the Sabine thing. Yeah. It's this Bigfoot type creature. Some people describe it as reddish brown. Some people describe it as white. There's even an albino one. Uh, Bigfoot looking creatures. But this uh, woman that was my mother's friend, and, and she had told me and Anthony and I believe Zane and maybe even you, Tony. I don't know if you remember but her her friend had a niece that would come over and visit, and they all went to church together. And one day, she was explaining to us about this small scar she had on the side of her face. And she said she said that uh, she got it when she was in a in a wreck, and her 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 aunt, which was her great aunt, kind of laughed, and she said, "No, that's not what happened. You didn't get that from." Them. She's like, T "Tell them the the true story." She's like, "He collects stories." And this was like right, you know, around uh, maybe, I guess, the second time around when my mother moved back to that same complex. So this would have been right around the time that my show was getting started or maybe, well, maybe about a year before my mother passed, I think, probably 2020. Uh, but she had talked about this um, creature. When she was a child, they were at a family reunion. And, you know, it was, it was really freaky. They were, they were at a family reunion and they were, I think it was in, uh, uh, Tom, it was in Tomball or outside of Tomball, right? Yeah. And, and so they were, they were, I guess she's about my age and she was like seven years old. And she said that she had just turned seven and she was like a few days past her seventh birthday. And she was kind of aggravated because the family reunion kind of took precedent over her birthday. And so she was like, I remember when it was. And she said that there was this creature that was up in a tree and it was right at dusk. 
And everybody was like hanging out and the kids were all running around playing. And a bunch of the kids, her cousins had stopped and said, hey, there's something up in that tree. And they all turned and they looked and they see this thing that looked like it kind of was built, kind of slightly built, kind of like a monkey, but it had really long arms and legs and it looked man-like, but it had a very pronounced snout. But the ears were kind of like low on the on the head, not like at the top of the head where like wolf ears would be. But she said the ears were kind of like set lower on the head, but higher than a man's ears. And they were pointy and that they stuck up kind of on the sides of the head. Not like you would see, like, you know how Batman looks with the ears that go straight up and down, yeah. you know, on his suit? That's kind of how you get the the dog man looking ears. The, it, they didn't look like that. I thought that was interesting. and it, But it did have a, a snout on it. And the face, she said, the face was like there was no fur on the face, but it had a weird looking muzzle. And it had a, like a, a really weird pronounced uh, underbite. And she said, she goes, I'll never forget it. It reached up and just grabbed me like with its weird looking hand um, and pulled me by my hair and up this tree. Now she's African-American and she said, you know, she goes, I just, I had my hair sticking up, you know, at the top, you know, and she's like, and I just remember feeling this like fingernails uh, like stabbing into my head and it just yanking up like in part of my hair coming out. And then, like, as it got halfway up, I started to fall. Then it grabbed me uh, by my shirt. And, you know, it was in the middle of the summer, you know. And she said I was wearing, like, this uh, blouse or whatever. I was a little kid. She's like, and I'll never forget. It just pulled me up, and my shirt was tearing. And then it just, like, pulled me into the tree. And she goes, and I was sitting there staring at it. And this is, I told the abbreviated version of it on Friday. But she said I was sitting there staring at it. And she's like, and I looked into its eyes and the eyes were like a yellowish color. And she's like, and she said that its tongue was hanging out like a dog, how a dog would pant. And she said that the closest that she could, she could say the face looked, she, and she described this to us. She said, you remember the movie, the Island of Dr. Moreau, the one with Marlon Brando? Yeah. And she said there was this one creature on there that was like, it, it had, it was like a, uh, like it had long hair, but the face was like a man's, but it had kind of like a pronounced like a uh, muzzle. And she said it kind of looked like that creature. And she's like years later when she saw that movie, like she freaked out. And she said that it wasn't the bad guy that was like made like a dog. It was like the one that was trying to help uh, with the radio, trying to help Val Kilmer. Yeah. Like she was very specific when she told me that. And she said that she remembers like that's what it looked like. And she said it freaked her out. And she said that, but this thing had fur all over it. And she didn't say hair. She said fur. And she said that the feet were very weird human-like, but that the toes kind of jutted out on the sides of the feet. And she said no sooner this thing snatched her up, but her family just started rioting basically and ran over there and especially the children that she was playing with her cousins who a lot of them were from Louisiana. And she said that they all just started throwing rocks at this thing. And inevitably one of the rocks hit her on the side of the face and gave her a scar uh, just in front of her, like below her eye and in front of her ear. And she was telling us about the scar, you know, and it was because her great aunt had tried to get her to tell me the story because, of course, I had the show, you know. And so it was very interesting. My mother did not want to hear. She was like she was sitting there listening, but you could tell that she was not 
uh, she did not like talking about this stuff because it, it freaked her out. She lived alone and it scared her. And I noticed even her great aunt looked kind of uncomfortable, but you know, she's got to tell the story. And so we're all sitting around listening to it. And I know it was me and you, Anthony, and I think Zane, Tony, I don't know if you were there or not. I, th- I think, I think you were there that weekend, but, um, I mean, we, we would always do all kinds of stuff yeah. and talk to so many different people. So, but anyway, I know you know the story, but I don't know if you knew, if you don't remember the being I like, there. I don't know exactly where it came from because I don't know if I met her. That's the thing. Yeah. But maybe I, you didn't. Maybe you heard us retell it. But, uh, yeah. And so re- she, she, she had, she had told me that story a long time ago. And then I lost like the details to it because I didn't really commit it to, to memory. Um, but, She'd only told me kind of like part of it, and then they had to go because they were getting ready to go to church that night because they were those their kind of people. They went to church twice on Sunday and on Wednesday, and so they were getting ready to go. Well, back in October, she she emailed me out of the blue, and I had kind of lost touch with her, and she gave me all of the details, the rest of the details, and reading it was really uh it was freaky, dude. I mean, it's, we know, because I remember like exactly what she's talking about on the Island of Dr. Moreau. I always thought it was a weird movie. And I've, we've had people describe things to us like the hyena guy on there before, you know, and, and how he looks on there. Like he looks like something that people have actually seen. And so, you know, I told her, I said, she's like, I know that sounds weird. And I messaged her back. I said, no, it doesn't because we've had people actually tell us that, <laughs> Something looks like something from the island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah, a lot um, of times and, movies are just like art imitating life. Mm-hmm. They're meant to be fiction, but they reflect things that people actually encounter. And that to me is no different. And ultimately, uh, this thing dropped her. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It didn't so much drop her as it just kind of like left her there on a branch and it climbed higher up into the tree. And then she fell, you know, down trying to dodge rocks. Um, and she broke her arm and she was pretty sure it was from the fall. Now, uh, several of her older cousins and aunts and uncles ran up and they grabbed her and they got all the other kids away from the tree and they all moved back. And then one of them, because at this point it was pretty much getting dark and he had a flashlight. Her uncle Mike had a flashlight and he was looking up in the tree and the thing had just gone. They didn't see it. They don't know where it went. They all walked around the tree looking. A couple of them had firearms and they went toward the tree and they fired up in the, in the air at the tree. <clears throat> and she said she just remembers crying and being ushered into a, a, her aunt and uncle's station wagon and then taken to the hospital where she was treated for the cut on her face and the broken arm. And she said that it was a very uh, scary incident. Um, and then for years and years, she had nightmares about it. And at one point, she lived in a house, that she, and she talked about this, uh, in an area not far from there. Uh, in, a, in an area right outside of Magnolia, which would have been like, I don't know how many miles that is from Tomball. I think it's like maybe 20, 25, something like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's not far. But she said that she lived in this house kind of out in the country and that 
at one point she thought she saw something chase one of her dogs across the yard and that she said that it looked like one of these uh, creatures that looked almost just like that. But she was like thinking, no way, maybe it's just, you know, my imagination, but it wouldn't have been far from there. But what are the odds that she got grabbed by one and then she sees one, you know, 30 years later? Well, apparently, according to all the stories, we get very high. Well, you know, I mean, if it was just a physical creature, that wouldn't, that would be weird. You know, like why her, because nobody else in her family or anything uh, saw this, but then it chases one of her dogs. But if it is one of those creatures and it just lives in that area, that would make sense. But what are the odds that she would have two encounters with it? Which makes me think that this is more than just a normal flesh and blood creature. And the fact that it disappeared up into the tree and they never saw it in any of those trees anywhere, it was just gone. Yeah. So it makes me think that it's more than there's something else going at, at play here. And especially if, you know, if you hear about some of these stories that where people like move entire states and it's exact same creatures that are still affecting them. Like they follow them or something. Then her being affected by it later on could make sense. If you look at it like, Oh, maybe this thing's just petty. And it was like, <laughs> I just tried just to come back 30 years later. Yeah, to, who knows? But I it mean, was chasing her dog and not even, not even like looking at her. Like she was looking at it from the kitchen window. She was washing dishes. I, I mean, who knows how the timetables of these things works? Like 30 years for her might've been like 10 years for it. If it like dimensional traveled or do so, did something else to where like, so it might've been like, you know, 10 days, 10 years or, or who knows how long. And it came back following that scent, her her scent, or, or it found her somehow. And, she, and they were like, "Oh, she's big now. Well, I, I'm, I still want something, so I'm, I'm gonna go after her dog." I mean, this is all just like you know, out there theorizing, trying to make sense of something that obviously doesn't make sense. Well, consider this: she had two stepchildren and and a daughter that was her daughter. The two stepchildren were her were boys, and they were young. Um, and one of the little boys, and she said that she was the only mom they ever knew. And th- they were, and it was, it's, she's black, but her two stepsons, and I met one of them. Um, he's, they're white, but her, and her husband was white. But, you know, it was really weird. Her husband said that his ex wife had seen something very similar to that in that same area where they had been having the big picnic. And it happened like 18 years before they got together. And she she traced the timeline down and his ex-wife was her exact age. So it would have been like, you know, I think she was saying something like that she would have been like 12 years old or something like that. So it would have only been like maybe five years after her encounter at that park where it happened. And she said that 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 particular uh, incident was something that her – and her brother saw, which would, like I said, she's she's actually on speaking terms with her, um, her ex-husband, or now her ex-husband, but her ex-husband's ex. And they became friends because they both hated him, I guess. Mm. Uh, but uh, they, they, they were really, they got to be really good friends. And she said that, you know, when me and him were going through the divorce – um, that her and this, this woman became friends. And I remember her saying, I think her name was like Jennifer or something like that. And she's like, me and Jennifer were talking and she said, she told him, she's no Shelby. That was her ex-husband. She's like, he told me that you had an encounter 
with something that was kind of similar to what I saw. But when she started describing it, it was much larger and it was something that her her husband's ex-wife and her brother saw when they were like 12 and 14 years old. Her brother was 14 and they they went for a walk in the park. Her mom and dad fought a lot and so they went there to get away from the arguing and they see this creature jump from one tree to the next, but they said it was huge, that it would have been about seven foot tall had it been on the ground. And the face was almost identical to what she saw, except that it would have been much larger. But then I reminded her, I said, now that would have been five years later. You know, you would have been like, you know, older and the thing would have been older and probably bigger. Maybe when it grabbed her, it was a juvenile. But the thing that she saw years later outside of Magnolia, she said that that thing was like, you know, about the same size as the one she saw. You know, about the same size, like it hadn't grown. And she's like, I thought, man, am I just seeing this? Or, But her one of her stepsons, um, who basically like, you know, called her mom, you know, was just it's the only mother that ever really knew. They were both really, really small when they got together, and they don't really remember their mother. And so she raised them, but she said she always thought it was like maybe a cultural thing because, you know, she was black. And some of the people in her family had had weird encounters, like one of them claimed to have seen a demon. Another one saw this looking little, uh, like we in Spanish, we call them duende. But but they're like these little monitos, like little, uh, like trolls, like little yeah. goblin looking thing. And that it was hopping around and it chased them down the street. And that would have happened in, uh, uh, not Tomball, uh, what's the city next to it? Not Pinehurst. Spring. Spring. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Spring. It would have been in spring. And so that that was like another weird thing, but but she said that after talking to, you know, the her husband, you know, who was white, he's like, "No, I've had weird encounters with stuff too." So she she was growing up, she thought, "Oh, it's something that happens to black people, but they don't really talk about it, you know, or maybe the like Hispanic people." She's like, "But I, she goes, "I don't remember like, you know, like really having, when I was growing up, having like a lot of white friends or anything like that. She goes, so I just thought, you know, being in the black community, that it was kind of like something that they experienced, but they really didn't talk about. And we know that as being Hispanic, that, you know, a lot of times you're, you're not supposed to talk about it. You're supposed to just pretend like it didn't happen, you know. And But she remembers like her oldest uh, stepson uh, claiming to see uh, what he called a monkey that looked like the devil and describing it not exactly, but similar to what she saw and that it was in the backyard at one point and they had a tree with plums it had plums or whatever, and that it was in the backyard and it was eating them. And that when he went to the backyard and he, he stumbled upon it, that it began to th- scream at him and throw the fruit at him. And he ran back inside and then they went outside with her brother who was there visiting and they didn't see where this creature was or where it went. Um, and then her husband, when he came home, she thought he was going to think she was crazy. So she told him about what happened. Um, her stepson at that point was five years old. The other little boy was three. Um, they got together when when he was one and the other kid was like three. So they're they're very uh, uh, close in age, but they were very young. She said now he doesn't remember it. Like he doesn't remember, but she remembers him telling her that. 
And I told her, I said, well, maybe it's just something that happened in that area. There was just something there. There's just a, a creature there or some type of creatures. But she said that her husband, she thought he was going to ridicule her. And then she finally opened up and just said, look, I had something happen to me when I was young. And she said that her husband talked to her, her, his son and he said, yes, there was a monkey. He looked like the devil and he threw a, a plum at me uh, and struck me in the back of the head as I was running. And so th this this kid, you know, he told them the story. So her ex now ex-husband remembers it, you know. And and then later on, she's like, oh, well, you put that in his head, blah, 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 blah. And when they had a big argument. But she said that after talking to his ex, like, she was very adamant. And they're, they're still friends to this day. Uh, she was very adamant that her husband you know, that they both were married to at one point, you know, um, had had a couple weird experiences. She's like, did he tell you about the weird dog-like creature that chased him on a bike? And she was like, no, he never told me that. She goes, oh, he didn't tell you that. She goes, well, his brother told me that when they were little, they were riding their bikes uh, through spring, you know, where they lived. And this thing came out of like between two houses and it was walking, it was running on, on, on its hind legs, and then it got down on all fours and chased him. And when they turned back and they looked, they see what looks like a creature that had kind of like the face of a man, but the body of a dog. So That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Um, I was wondering, like, all three people had situations with, you know, this creature, some sort of creature. The wives connected because... They each had their own situation with this mm -hmm. creature. Uh, and this guy also had... If it's the same creature. Well, uh, that's true. If it's the same creature, but with something, a creature similar to each other in, in the, the same, same area. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really wild. Did he also have it in that same park? No, no. Okay. What happened to him was in spring, and it was back before all the, the build, you know, when they started building everything up. Because then that would have been insane. I was like, what are the odds that this creature is traumatizing this entire family specifically? It's like all three of them, or this group of creatures, or whatever the heck it is, is, is messing with them. But yeah. Well, you know, and then it was weird because he didn't want to accept, like, he didn't tell her about that creature. But he told his ex-wife about it. But she, but you know, one of the things though, she said that you know, comparing notes, what what she saw with her brother, and this would have been the ex-wife, right? Um, comparing notes, she said that that what her and her brother saw, she don't think it looked anything like what her husband, who later became married to the the woman that my mom was neighbors with, niece, like th that was. They didn't, it didn't look nothing alike. She said the thing that they saw was big and, and massive, bulky, and had like a full like hair all over its body, um, reddish brown. The thing that chased her ex-husband looked like black, and it was just like a werewolf-looking creature, but it was like had a man's face, which we've heard a few accounts of that, you know, and, and we have those, you know, I'm going to talk about at some point. Probably, if you're listening to this, it probably will have been talked about on Sunday because <laughs> I'm going to talk about that uh, coming up because right now as we're recording, it's not Sunday yet. But when you, 
when you take these accounts, though, it is that is weird. But what you said, Tony, has merit because we do get people's families who will see the same creatures and they'll see them years apart, too. Which, you know, me and Brandon talked about it on the show on Friday night. We talked about how, you know, sometimes like he saw these this dog man looking creature and he also saw a Bigfoot looking creature. One leads to the other. Like, you know, there'll be this weird anomaly that'll happen to someone. And then later on, they'll see something that looks similar to what they saw or, or it's it's another type of creature. But I think after you see one, you're open to seeing more. Yeah, and I think that also kind of makes me believe more that it's less about, like, you know, them marking you and more about, like, you doing something to yourself or awakening something to yourself because sometimes it feels like, you know, you'll have these encounters with Bigfoot and then the Bigfoot will either move on or get driven or uh, driven away or, or something will happen and then the, the encounters will happen all over again, except with the different cryptid. It was like, you know, it was like the next one that moved in is is the one that you're going to have to deal with now, which is a lot of time dogmen. So it, it feels like this, it made, that's what kind of gave me the first uh, inkling of like, well, well, maybe, maybe you're not being marked and maybe you're just like awakening something that they can sense and that they can kind of hone in on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Because of the fact that... You know, as soon as the Bigfoot are gone, all of a sudden you're dealing with the same thing, except now it's dogmen. And, you know, it might be worse, it might be better, but it's like it's just more of the same, just different cryptid. Well, you know what they say, sometimes dead is better. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a thought. Like, what if these things are like uh, kind of like crows? Like, you know how crows, they'll, they'll remember like your face if you're mean to them or something. Mm-hmm. And they'll communicate it through like a network or whatever it is. Whether Hive mind. Yeah, like a collective subconscious. And, and you can move like across the state or across the country. And like if crows see you and they've received that same message, they'll, they'll recognize you even though they've never seen you before. Like what if the, there's kind of like a collective subconscious that, that these creatures have too? So that so like, you're saying that crows have a collective hive-minded conscience? Well, I mean, I, I don't know how else that phenomenon is supposed to be explained because the, there was actually like an experiment done with crows where like someone where people would put on these Dick Cheney masks and, and they would they would mistreat crows. It was actually reported that like wherever Dick Cheney was, crows just didn't like That's <laughs> they didn't, weird. They didn't I like never him. Heard that? Yeah. Wow. Those are scary intelligent. But they are super weird. intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I, I think that they have like a teenager level mind, but mm-hmm. like and the same mischievousness. Too, if, if their tongues, I think something, something about if their tongues were a certain way, they'd be able to speak. Yeah. You know, like I've heard that too. Yeah. They're really um, smart. I heard starlings can do it too. Starlings are parasitic birds. Yeah. They're not good. What if these cryptids, whatever they are. I have like something similar. That's that's interesting. So that know? like if you're having multiple encounters, you can move and you can be in a different place, even though you're seeing the same like type of creature, you're not seeing the same one. 
And, and, you know, there's such a fine line between them being of a spiritual nature and being of a physical nature. We talked about on the show with when Brandon was on, we talked to, you know, again, we talked about this weird, like, you know, the thing that happened to, to the lady in Oaxaca. And she gave us that story. Well, her grandson got us in touch with her because he he heard us talking about Oaxaca uh, with that weird hag-like creature that was, you know, attacking people. And then he said, my grandmother's got a story. Of course, when I got it from her, she had moved to Monterey because there was some sort of weird creature that was going uh, – and they were gifting it. They were giving, like, fruit and vegetables and stuff and meat and she was the only one in the neighborhood that wasn't doing that when she inherited the house from her grandmother. And so she went to go live there when she was in her 20s. And by the time she was 30, she had moved to Monterey just to get the heck away from there because that creature was going up to the houses and it wouldn't actually eat the food. It would just like grab it and, and put it in its mouth and then drop it. And then if anybody tried to eat it, according to what she was being told, it would have no flavor. You know, yeah, it was, it's like it, the, the flavor of it was consumed, gone, which we've talked about. Like with the essence Tony's. of the food was eaten. Yeah, your mother, when she would give the offerings, because you know, she's Buddhist, and then when you eat it or whatever or try to drink it, like the booze would have no alcohol in it. No. The soda would be flat, flat and not have any taste. It's so bizarre, you know. Um, but this creature eventually killed her cat, and she was like, to heck with that. I'm not gifting this thing anything. It was like tribute to this monster. You know, and it wasn't huge, but it was like a six foot tall monster that would come out of the freaking woods or swamp, whatever, and try to, you know, bully the people and kill their pets if it didn't feed it. So she was like, to hell with this, you know. Um, but that that's kind of similar to to what this thing, you know, it seems like like what we're talking about here. It's like, is this a spirit we're dealing with that, that could that can do these things? Um, is it just a flesh and blood creature? And if it is, is it the hive thing you're talking about? No. Or, you know, is it like one of these spirit, these creatures? Cause whatever that was in Oaxaca was able to kill and it was able to pick up food, but it didn't consume it, but it would take the essence and nutrients from it. Yeah. Which is normally spiritual. Spiritual. Yes. So then, but this thing is manifested as pure physical or is it because of their offerings and tribute? Was it making it more physical? And these things that were grabbing these kids and showing themselves to these people, um, you know, presenting themselves and, and there's fear. Now, was the fear kind of like a food to this creature? Was it making itself known so it could produce that fear in these people and then therefore make it real? Stories like this make me believe that the legend of St. George isn't actually a legend, that, that it's an event that actually happened mm -hmm. because these people were being terrorized by a dragon, according to the legend. But what they would do is to keep it at bay, they would give tribute. They would give it offerings. And St. George was like, no, we're not appeasing feeding this thing. We're not appeasing it. We're not negotiating. I'm going to kill it. And that's, that's exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because... That that never works out. Whether you know, look at the Romans and the Vandals, you know, or the Huns, you know, whoever they would try to give them, pay them off to go away, and they might go away for a little while, but it, ultimately they're back, and then yeah. when they're done spending the money or the plunder, mm -hmm. they want more. And in fact, they more likely to go to you because they know they can get money and plunder from you, yeah, without mm -hmm. a fight, you know. 
So anyways, that, that, that's weird. Uh, you know, having talked to her, um, she did in the house that she lived in, you know, in, where she saw it when she was an adult, she did say that there was like a small shadow entity that would move around in that house and even like manifest at times almost like what looked like a, a dwarf type creature that, that her husband even saw and that sometimes their keys would be moved and things would be moved around. So I asked her, I said, is it possible? Now, this is another element to this story that that creature manifested as something that terrified you as a kid. You know, so that could be it too. She didn't really have an answer for that, you know, because I told her, you know, I, I messaged her back and I explained to her um, what happened to me, you know, up in the haunted tower. Yeah. Uh, that thing appeared as a dog man that I'd seen when I was 15. Yeah, mimics are a thing. Yeah, so maybe that's something that it, it got into her psyche. But she said by that point in her life, she wasn't dreaming about it anymore or anything. So maybe that's it. Know. Maybe it's like, she just forgot it, so now it's like, here's a reminder, because I'm still feeding on that fear. Well, there you go. But uh, I guess moving on, here's another one from East Texas. Now, this one is is interesting, too. Um, I'll start with what happened at, in Texas City. There was a guy who was working in an oil, in, in a refinery, oil refinery in Texas City. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not a very, very pleasant place. Um, but... Uh, it's very gross, not very pretty. We talked about it on the show with Brandon, but this this person they they were coming out of, in the middle of the day. They were driving out, and they see this being, this creature, or something that looked dog like. And he pointed at it directly at it with the guy that was in the vehicle with him. And he wasn't driving; the, the other guy was driving. And he told the driver, he "said Look at that. Do you see that? Do you see that?" And then immediately it sort of cloaked itself and it did that pixelation, weird cloaking that we've heard of so, so yeah. often. The shimmering phantom. The translucent that state. we talked about. Yeah, we named it the shimmering phantom, right? Yeah. Um, the glimmer man, as they call it. So this thing was like, it was a glimmering creature, whatever. And, and the guy he was driving didn't see it. And as he was taking a left going out of the, the plant, whatever, uh, at shift change, there were several other people coming and going. They were a little bit late leaving because they had to talk to their supervisor. So uh, they were probably leaving about 30, 40 minutes behind everybody else. So there wasn't a lot of people coming and going, but there were there was some traffic. And he said it was in broad daylight. But then once this thing got down on all fours and it began to run, then the driver saw it as it kind of darted out in front of their vehicle and ran alongside the driver's side for a good clip and then disappeared off, you know, going off the, the road or whatever. And the guy just like sat there stunned and he was like, what is that? Well, what it was is the guy that told us this story, I'll call him Simon. Simon said, Simon said, <laughs> Simon says, Simon said that what, what happened was this thing had caused, uh, wreaked havoc on his family. Once again, we're dealing with something in East Texas uh, and, when the, and and it started in El Campo, um, or, or actually I should say Bay City. It was in Bay City, uh, which is I think about 30 minutes from El Campo. And I think that both of them are probably like an hour to two hours from Texas City. So not real far, but far enough away that why would he be seeing something like that in broad daylight that was something very similar to what he saw when he was growing up outside of Bay City. 
Now, what happened to him in Bay City was when he was a child, the first time that he encountered this entity, as you could call it, he never could see the face of it. He never could. He could only see the body and then the legs. And then it, sometimes it would just like walk and it would like vanish into thin air. But looking back now, knowing what he knows, he says, I don't think it was vanishing into thin air. I think it was cloaking itself. But as a child, him and his brother, um, Melvin, it was, it was his brother name, his brother's name was Melvin. Him and brother Melvin, they could never see what it was. And they could never see the face, but they would dream about it. And in the dreams, it had the face looked something like the cross between a bat and a wolf. And he said that it was disgusting, ugly looking thing. But whenever they would see it in their waking days, they, they could never. And then they thought that maybe they were just seeing something. But then they had a cousin. His name was Barry. He came over. And Barry told him that that he saw it clear as day. One day they were outside and they were playing uh, keep away. You know, everybody loves to do that. Yeah. And the one kid got mad. The, the little cousin, the little cousin, Barry's little brother, I didn't get his name. He got angry and he went inside to go tell because they were keeping the ball away from him a little too long. And so they tried to appease him. Then he looks up in a tree and begins to scream and cry and points. And their cousin, Barry, looked up. And he saw distinctly what looked like a wolf-headed type creature with a very pointy snout, almost like wily coyote, mixed with a bat. That's the way he described it. The two brothers, uh, Simon and Melvin, Simon being the one that saw this thing at the the plant uh, when he was coming out of there years and years uh, you know ago. Um, this all happened in the seventies when he when they saw this creature up, and then he was in the eighties when he saw the thing at the plant. But what's crazy, though, is like he looks up, and they didn't see it. All they saw at that point was something kind of shimmering, like where the head should have been, and then it like it just disappeared completely, like, pew, and it was gone, and nobody, none of the four boys could see what it was. And then they all ran in the house screaming and crying, and they all got punished and got sent to separate rooms because uh, Mama didn't want to hear all that and was like, you know, I don't want to hear this crap. Well, one day she was out, and she was feeding the dog, and they were at school. And the mother, when they come home, the mom says, okay, from now on, the dog's going to be inside. And they're like, yay, our dog gets to live inside with us. Uh, well, the, the dad comes home, and then the dad's not happy about it. And they listen to the mom and dad argue. And then it turns out that she saw this creature, and it was sitting on top of the doghouse. And she thought that it would probably try to hurt their dog. And so the dad was, like, not having it. He didn't want to believe it, so he made the dog go back outside. Two days later, the dog disappeared. And then about three days later, the neighbor called to let them know that they found the remains of their dog that was in a ditch right outside of their property out in the country. Um, and the dog had been messed with pretty bad. Um, partly, it had been unalived and partly eaten. So that was very heartbreaking for them. And he goes, dude, I had a burning hatred for that creature at that point because he goes, I know that that creature killed our dog. And he called that a creature. And he said that at that point it stalked him when he got older, he had a girlfriend that lived in El Campo. And of course, El Campo and Bay City actually are big rivals. Like they, they're, they play each other in sports and stuff. And she was an athlete, and so was he, and they met, I think at some track meet or something, and he was telling me, you know, it was like love at first sight, so they got they got old, they started dating, and eventually they got married. 
Well, they lived outside of El Campo at one point on her dad's property before he passed away. And then there was a big upheaval where that guy's son wanted the property and there was this big fight. So then he move, he gets the property and moves onto the property. But two months later, he's trying to get rid of the property and sell it to them for practically nothing. And he's like, what's going on here? Why is this guy being nice all of a sudden? Uh, her brother Clyde was like, yeah, that's cool. I, I don't want to live there. <laughs> kind of like on, uh, what's it called? The uh, Ace Ventura. He's like, but this took you years to achieve. I don't want it anymore. Really? <laughs> he's, uh-huh. like, no. he's like, I, I don't like it. I'm good. So he's like, something's not right here, you know? But he knew that there was something weird about that property because there had been some incidents that had happened and people thought that maybe it was haunted. But he's like, I'm not going to be deterred by no ghosts. I'm not worried about that. But no sooner had he started living on the property again and gotten it from her brother that they started having problems. They had chickens on the property and all of them disappeared. Like one by one, they just started disappearing. Next thing you know, one of their dogs disappeared and then a cat. And then they had their first child and he was starting to, he, he was already like four or five years old. He was starting to complain that something was coming into his room at night that he said he called the Batman. Not like Batman as in Batman and Robin, but like the Batman. Like man bat. Like man bat, yeah. And he said, well, does it have wings? He goes, no, it's a Batman. It doesn't have wings. It's just a man, you know. And he would call it the man or the Batman. And he said sometimes it would be outside the window, and then sometimes it would actually come into his room. And one time it even tried to pick him up and carry him outside, like walking through the hallway, and he said that he smelled really bad. And he goes, "What he smell like?" And he says, "Like poop." Wow. So, yeah, nasty thing. Yeah. So, so really gross. Whatever. Then one day he's like, he goes, "I get up in the middle of the night, and I, I'm just dying of thirst. I had to get a drink of water. It turns out he was diabetic. He didn't know it." And he says, "Well, I got up and I and I, I couldn't I couldn't sleep, and I had to get something to drink." He's like, "And I hear like something making a screeching noise." He's like, and I look outside and I see the dog's dish move and I see this weird like kind of shimmer, glimmer, whatever. And then I see this like creature, like I don't see the head once again, but I see the shoulders and I see this thing like with these backward bent legs. And then the next thing you know, it's gone. And he's like, and once again, I, and so I, he goes, at that point, I don't know what possessed me, but I ran outside to get a better look at it. He goes, and, I'm, and I realize I'm sitting there in my underwear unarmed. You know, so I go back inside and he's like, I, I, I'm like, why am I outside trying to confront some kind of creature that I can't even see? And so then he goes, that was the last incident that he, where he actually saw something. He felt the presence of something around the house multiple times. And even one time he thought he felt something breathing behind him when he was outside going to a shed. He was walking to the shed and as he stopped, he heard like footfall. And then he started up again and it was like something was right behind him. He's like, and then I gave up like trying to figure out what it was or, you know, what was going on. And I just put it out of my mind. And eventually we sold that property. We're just like, I'm done. I'm not going to live here. I'm not going to deal with this. And then they ended up, he got a job and they moved to Texas City where at that point, you know, he had not had any more incidents until one day he sees this creature. And he, and he and at the time he's thinking, you know, it's like two hours away. You know, this can't be the same thing, but it, it, it had to be because he saw it. And he goes, and the guy that I was with uh, saw it too. 
Two hours is not enough time. Yeah. I mean, so he thought, you know, and so the question he had for me was, do you, do you think that this could have been the same creature? And I said, absolutely. And he goes, but what kind of creature would follow you like that? I said, something that's not really flesh and blood, maybe something that's in between, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't be hard if it had a spiritual nature. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's got a roam to find you. Could it be something where it attaches to someone? And then lies dormant for years because he said that from the time that he saw it at the refinery that day, it had been almost 11 years since the last time he had even had any dealing with it at all. Like what, what, and, that, and that's the other thing too. How does time work for these beings, you know? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like for the last one, like for her, it, it was 30 years before it. It could have been like three days. Like who knows how long. Maybe he just walked out of a portal. Yeah. Turned then, around and walked back and it was like. Huh. 30 years for her was three days for him. He just timed it wrong. He went in there. was like, I'm going to be back and I'm going to wait a little bit for them to calm down. Maybe 20, 15, 15, 20 seconds. (laughs) Comes back. It's like 30 years. He's like, I guess I'm going for the dog. If they're interdimensional, then like, let's say that they can slip into the fourth dimension from, from our world. And I mean, like the way I, kind of the way I imagine that is like, uh, you know how, when you're at the mall and and all the stores are lined up side by side by side by side, uh, each one of those stores ha- has like a back door that that goes out to like a hallway. And if you go mm-hmm. in that hallway, you can pop in and out of you know store after store. And someone at the front at the storefronts, you know, if they don't know about that hallway, they're just gonna see you popping from from store to store and not knowing how you got there. You know, so I mean, what if the fourth dimension is kind of like a back door to our reality? Yeah, I mean, I and you can really. pop in, you know, where you want. Like it's just nothing. And to us, it looks like oh, like like teleportation or something. But in reality, our physical space is actually a lot closer than what we think it is. It's just that we're we live in three dimensions. So to us, we're hampered by that. You know, I was thinking about this the other day when we were at the mall, actually. And, of course, you know, there's this big flap that went on in Miami with the supposed alien creatures. And I still don't know what to think about that. I've reserved judgment on it because I don't really know the whole story. I mean, one of the things we heard was that that these things were actually eating people. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I I mean, like I heard that it was actually just like like a bunch of hooligan criminal little thugs or whatever. But then some people that were there saying that's not true. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, know. I don't know. I mean, I've heard. Or it's just one of those things where you have to wait. And see, yeah, I just heard so many different out. stories about it. I read something about it today, actually. I just kind of, I don't know. But I was thinking about this when we were at the mall a few days ago. And, you know, if you when you walk into one of the stores, you, you, you know, it, you're in your own little, it's its own little world, right? And then you walk out of that store and you go into another store and it's a completely different store with a completely different everything. Yeah, or like, like whenever we were at uh, Tiny Aquatics, I was thinking the same thing because they ha- they have all of those uh, l- like smaller aquariums just set up row after row after row after row, and I kept thinking each one's its own little world. Yeah, I kept thinking like worlds within worlds. Mm-hmm. Just like the pond Earth theory, you know, like there's a bunch of different Earths just kind of going on, bouncing off of each other like bubbles from a from a. You know, dishwashing, you know, you see the bubbles bouncing off one another. Yeah. Um, and that's, and you know, something we have to also mention is that this is all pre uh, prerequisited on the fact that these things can actually control their dimensional travel. I mean, if it's one of those things where something just magically, like it, it also just stepped into a portal in its world and just ended up here, 
and has been like, you know, trying to figure it out. Other than magically, it, it suddenly found itself back over there. Like if it had no real control over it and it was just kind of going with the flow, then yeah, like it holding a grudge and coming back for her later on could still be like, ah, I almost got her. But then this stupid stuff happened to me. And now I have to wait. And when I come back, I'm going to make sure I go for her again. I wonder what it wanted with her in the beginning to begin with. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That, was it going to try and eat her? I mean, that's know, the only thing I can think of. Who knows? I like, mean, the, the aggressive nature that it, it, it's trying to snatch her up makes me think that it didn't have anything good planned well, for her. Well, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and even like when they do appear to like children or people and they're, they're, they're not necessarily violent in that moment. I mean, that, that could still be a form of just like grooming to, to get, get your guard down or, or just to, to, uh, deceive you now so it can eat you later. Kind of like with Lisa Lichen. You remember her story? Uh-huh. Where, when Lisa talked about the creature, I don't know. I always wondered that because like, like she said, oh, it was friendly and it was, it was being nice to her. How do you know like what the true intention is? You know I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, you be, don't. Yeah, especially when you think about, like, how many kids seeing a big fluffy, you know, demon, basically, don't look at it like that and will see it and be like, oh, teddy bear. You know, and they, how many kids will automatically, like, not have that same level of fear and, like, that, that's not, not their first emotion that they feel when they see these things. Sometimes it is real curiosity and, you know, that could be real scary, especially if these things are are knowledgeable about that and are able to make use of that and be, you know, appear friendlier to these kids to lure them into something, you know, and, and that that's what's scary about them because it it shows, it proves, you know, thought, it, it proves planning. It shows that they're able to act in a way to deceive you and, and, and put down your guard, which is already on the, another layer that you have to deal with on top of, you know, such for uh, ferocity, such strength, such supernatural abilities that still aren't able, we aren't able to understand them, them having that level of forethought and that level of planning is just another factor you have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I've thought about it before too. Like, like when, when Lisa was, when we did the show with her, you know, it was like, and I don't know what episodes those are. You can go back and look at the podcast with Lisa Lycan. That's her pseudonym. But <clears throat> I thought about it, though. I was like, she called one Blondie and how she was really close to it and whatever. And I thought, just getting their hands on you, because if these things can suck out the energy and life force of fruits and meats and things and drinks, couldn't they do that to a person, too? They don't even have to really eat you or bite you. Yeah, they can I mean, actually, at, at the very least, they could do it like a form of it or something. Psychically maybe. take energy you know? from you. Yeah. And if you think about what Jerry Williams says about like what they, like what they want is not you know not to actually eat your flesh, but to actually eat your essence, your you know what makes you you, your very soul, your very being. Them acting however they act and then pretending to be nice to you and stuff it could definitely lure you into a false sense of security. Yeah, lower your guard. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, who cares if you give me fruits and stuff? That's not what I'm after. You know, I'll, yeah, I really want your life force. Yeah, yeah I want the soul. Yeah, because he said that that's what they want is your soul, which I've heard that before from shamans and different types of people who are, you know, I mean, I guess you would say um, in the know, but 
But anyway, that's all the time we have for tonight. Um, any closing thoughts before we go? Just one more thing, just to kind of ping pong off of what Tony said about uh, about them maybe not even like knowing how to navigate a higher dimension. I think that if these things are spiritual creatures, which I do believe, like they're spiritual creatures that taking a physical form, but their true nature is not like a third three dimensional one. That's what I believe, and so because of that, I think that it it's safe to assume that they can navigate a higher dimension. Because in order for them to have no concept of, of a fourth dimension, they would have to be native to, to our to our three-dimensional world, and I don't believe they are. What if you're forced into, you know, like with these not-deer, where they're absolutely, they act absolutely mental, they don't act like anything, and they a lot of them seem to be either corpses or putrefied, uh, decaying, rotting bodies walking around. So, like, what if that's a spiritual entity being forced into a body? And, and what if, you know, maybe what if skinwalking, maybe we assume it's these people transforming into these creatures. What if instead it's forcing a spirit into your body and you're, that spirit actively molding that change or whatever? And then you have a limited amount of control before that spirit completely takes over. So, like, that's the deal. It's like, oh, I'll give you my body. And during that time when you're trying to take it over, like, I want to be able to use that takeover power or whatever i want to be able to look like that until you have complete control over it and turn into whatever beast that you're going to make of it you know it's one of those things where it's like you have to give them credit because they do live on a different realm uh than you but you also have to understand that like you know there's a possibility that there's works there's forces at play that even they have to abide by yeah so it's one of those things where it's hard to understand yeah, yeah. it's complicated well folks that's all the time we have for tonight thank you for tuning in don't forget we have uh, a show on thursday where we have a guest i believe this week is part two with bettina or yeah it's gonna be part two part two and then that uh, friday we'll be on live again with a guest and then sunday we won't have a guest but we'll be retelling encounters just like we did tonight but for three hours so tune in for those shows on YouTube. And, of course, if you're listening to us on Spotify, that's fine, too. But uh, you can't catch the live streams only on YouTube for now. All right. Thank you, folks. And good night. Good night.